good morning. It is always a blessing to be together. For the past three Sundays, we have been waiting with expectant hope. We have been longing for a lasting peace, and we have been searching for the true source of unshakable joy. Waiting, longing, searching. Those three words are at the heart of what it means to be people of faith. Because so many times in our journeys of faith, we find ourselves waiting and longing and searching. Really, if we're honest about the full story and the full history of the world, we'd have to say that it's from those first heartbroken moments, just after Adam and Eve broke the world by reaching out and trying to take the whole world for themselves. People of faith have been waiting and longing and searching, searching for a way back home, back to a time before we had a chance to mess things up, back to being the people we know in our hearts and souls we were created to be all along. Because we know this morning that it's not just the story of Adam and Eve reaching out too far to take too much. Every single one of us have made that same choice. Every single one of us have found a way to break the world. And yet still for a reason that I can't quite explain, all of us seem to have this spiritual memory of a time and a place before A time and a place before, well, anything went wrong, right? Where everything was good and and healthy and whole and unspoiled, and so were we. Not a spot, not a blemish, no strife, no struggle, no sorrow, perfection, Sounds like heaven, doesn't it? It sounds like Eden before the fall. And I think if we're really honest this morning, it sounds more than a little impossible. But if you're a person of faith, then you choose to believe that even when something seems impossible, with God, all things are possible. All things. And so we don't give up that spiritual memory we, we don't give up on our dreams. We don't give up at all because we believe that no matter how dark it can sometimes seem, there is this love, the love that we have been singing about this morning, that we have prayed about, the, the love that we gathered around the table in together this morning. It is a love that is a light. And we know that this light is the one thing, the only thing, that can lead us safely back home, back to that place before everything went wrong. Love is the power of God that more than anything else can make the impossible possible. Love is the power of God that more than anything else can help us put back all of our broken pieces. Love is the power of God that more than anything else we hold on to when nothing else holds. Love is the power of God that gives us this light that pierces the deepest darkness inside of us and around us and in our world. And we believe in that light because we have witnessed that light. I want you to hold that image in your hearts as you open together to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start reading together in verse 2. This love that is a light that guides us home. 
The people walking in darkness, Isaiah says, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. There are many poetic passages in the Bible. I don't know of a set of words that are any more beautiful than the words we just read together. And even more beautiful than the words themselves is the promise they contain. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the future of the world rests on his shoulders, not on ours, but on his shoulders. And Isaiah goes on to say, because of the fact that the future rests on his shoulders, because he will make all things the way God wants for them to be, we will learn to call him by many different names. We will call him Wonderful Counselor because he will guide us in all wisdom and truth. We will call him Mighty God because he will bring the presence and the power of heaven to earth. We will call him Everlasting Father because he will watch over us and take care of us both now and forevermore. We will call him the Prince of Peace because he will teach us how to stop fighting and attacking one another if we'll let him. This child, this son... This promise of this one who will one day come and change everything for the better. It's the central promise beating at the heart of every believing man, woman, and child in ancient Israel. They didn't know when and they definitely didn't know how, but they were convinced that it was absolutely going to happen and they prayed for it to happen in their lifetimes. For centuries, they waited for this child to appear. For centuries, they, they longed for this sun to show up. For centuries, they searched the horizon. Every time they looked out, they, they stared intently, trying to catch a glimpse of this one who would come to save them, trying to catch a glimpse of this one who would deserve the names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, for centuries. And then one night, a young peasant girl named Mary has a visitor stop by. Not just any visitor, but an angelic messenger from the throne room of heaven. An angel named Gabriel sent by God to talk to Mary, to speak to her, to help her understand what was about to happen. Everything really was going to change. But first, everything was going to have to change in Mary's life. Gabriel talks about God's plan. And in order for that plan to start to unfold, He's asking Mary to be the one who makes the choice to partner with God, to undergo a miracle of the Holy Spirit so that she can become pregnant and give birth to this child, this son, everybody has been waiting for and longing for and searching for, for what feels like forever. 
Nobody in Mary's life is going to understand this miracle of the Holy Spirit that's happened to her. And instead of a miracle, they're going to see it as a scandal. They're not going to understand what's really happening. And we can hardly blame them. And Mary understands that that they're not going to see it. And so here she is with an angel speaking to her and asking her to consider risking everything to change everything. Risking everything to be a part of the story of saving everything. She's got to make the biggest decision of her life. If we're honest, she's got to make the biggest decision in the life of the world with just a few moments to consider it. And amazingly, she says yes. But it's going to take more than one heavenly visitor to see this situation through. And so God sends an angel to speak to Mary's fiance, Joseph. As you might imagine, when he first hears that Mary is pregnant and they're not married yet, he assumes naturally that she's been unfaithful to him, just like everybody else in their lives. And so God sends an angel to set him straight, to tell him, no, 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 I know what you think it looks like, but this Mary, she's the picture of faithfulness. She's risking everything to be faithful, to be a faithful servant of the Lord and to be a faithful companion to you. The question is, Joseph, will you remain faithful in the same way she has? Just like Mary, Joseph listens to the words of the angel and he believes that they're the truth. Just like Mary, Joseph ends up having to make the biggest decision he's ever going to make in his life. And he makes it with no hesitation. He's not going anywhere. He's going to stand next to Mary. He's going to be there for her. He wants to be a faithful servant of the Lord and faithful to the love of his life. And we're not told much about the next several months. We, we learn that Joseph and Mary get married. We learn that Mary begins to have not just some dreams about who her child, who her son is going to grow up to be, She has very specific dreams for him, and she shares those dreams at the beginning of Luke's gospel. She says that her her little boy is going to to grow up into a man who turns the world upside down in all the ways that, that things need to be resettled and reordered, that he will find a way to lift up all those who are lowly, and he will bring down those in power who've only used that power for themselves. We learn that because of a Roman census, this this young married couple who's expecting, they've got to travel 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a trip that at that time would have taken four or five days if Mary wasn't feeling very well, probably at least a week. And we learn that no matter how long that trip actually ends up taking, they get to Bethlehem just in time for Jesus to be born. He's not born in a hospital He's not born in a house. He's not even born in a guest room. He's born in a, in a small barn, in a stable. The Lord of heaven and earth, see, he, he doesn't appear out of thin air and descend from the sky in a blaze of glory with a display of unparalleled power. No, he's, he's born. Just like every single one of us, born to a nervous couple who have nowhere else for him to sleep than a wooden food trough meant for animals. Now that's not to say that the sky was entirely empty of glory that night 
because an angel appears to some sleepy shepherds who are out in a field watching over their sheep and announces to them the news of Jesus' birth and assures them that this news isn't just good for some people, it's good news for all people, it's good news for them, because finally, it's time. No more waiting, no more longing, no more searching. Today, their Savior, the one they, they have been hoping for, has finally been born. And then he tells them, to get up and go together to find this child, to be in the same room with him so that they can see it for themselves. Nothing will ever be the same again. The shepherds know it. They understand it. And so they they rush together into town and quickly they are able to find Mary and Joseph and this baby who was born to save the world. And just like the angel said, There he is lying wrapped up in a manger. There he is, the son of God, wrapped up in swaddling clothes, just like any other baby. And at the same time, nothing like any other baby, before or since, because every baby is special. But this baby somehow makes all of the rest of us more special than we can fully understand or describe. And so we reach together for those well-worn words in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We could go on with the Christmas story. We could talk about old Simeon and Anna and how much of a fuss they make over Jesus on the day that he's presented at the temple just about a week later. They can hardly contain their excitement because as prophets of the Lord, they understand, they can see the future that only he can make possible. We could talk about the Magi from the East, these wise travelers who journey for two years just to be able to welcome Jesus to our world, to honor him with their gifts as the true king they believe he is. We we could talk about a local ruler and the drastic, horrific steps he takes, King Herod, in order to protect his power from this child, peasant king that he's heard so much about. We could talk about all the ways that Jesus grows up, not only to fulfill the dreams of his mother, but the promises of his heavenly father, that he is more of a Messiah and a savior than anyone could have ever fully anticipated on all those years when they were waiting and longing and searching for him. We could talk about the ways that he could give sight to the blind and that he could help crippled people learn to walk again and and he was able to heal every hidden wound in the human heart. We could talk about how he was for 33 years a picture of human potential, of understanding just what a human life can look like, like when it's lived in full surrender to the will of God. And we could talk about his death on a cruel cross and how even his death is not an ending but a brand new beginning because just three days later, he's alive and well and promising us that we can be too, fully alive and truly well. But with the time we have left this morning, I want us to stay right here with the shepherds and Mary and Joseph crowded together in that small stable, I want us to reflect and I want us to consider just how much that moment cost God. 
I want us to think about how much love it had to take to hand Jesus over to us. To ordinary, everyday people like us. Knowing what we would end up doing to him in our worst moments. Knowing how much we would hurt him because of how much we've already been hurt. And, and I want you to imagine a love that is stronger than all of that. A love that is stronger not only than our worst moments, but a love that's stronger than our best moments. A love that is stronger than anything else in all of creation. And I want to encourage you to embrace the Christmas truth that this love is more than some heaven-sent gift to us wrapped up lying in a manger. It's an invitation, brothers and sisters, an invitation for us to live lives that are immersed, baptized in that same love, drenched in it, guided by it, recreated through it. You know, the best Christmas movies tap into this truth. Even if they're lighthearted and funny, they, they remind us that December 25th is not really about the gifts we exchange. But... It's about the love we share, a love that, that we cannot give unless it has already been given to us. And Jesus is the constant reminder that the love of God has undoubtedly, unquestionably already been given to us. The only question left is, who will we give that love to in return? Who will we share that love with? Now, lately, there's been a new kind of Christmas movie that has infiltrated many of our homes. These movies are technically about love, but somehow they fall short of the kind of love I'm trying to talk about here. And I'm guessing that some of you have, have a little experience with these movies. They come to us courtesy of the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> these movies all kind of look the same, feel the same, have the same plot, and always have the same ending. Oh, and they also all offer the same level of acting quality, which I'm simply going to describe as questionable. <laughs> now, there's a chance I'm not being quite as kind as I should be about these movies. I'll just confess to you now, I don't have what it takes to watch enough of them to find out for myself. <laughs> now, the past couple of years, my wife Lauren has really, really gotten into watching these movies. And it seems like there is a limitless supply of them. Uh, I tend, in fact, to avoid our living room during December because there is an, a, a constant invitation to stop and watch this great movie together. And I just can't do it. But a few days ago, Lauren stopped me as I was trying to sneak past undetected. And she... She stopped in the middle of a commercial break to rewind it, and she said, have you seen this commercial? And I want you to know this morning that the commercial she, she had me watch is, in my estimation, the one truly good thing that has come out of all of those hours she has invested in cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. And I want us to watch it together now. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of
of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. Often that there's a two-minute commercial. Uh, and if you know much about me, you would know that if I ever heard Mr. Rogers speaking on the television, I will stop whatever I'm doing to listen. And so to watch these, these two minutes lead us through this reality that all of us have special ones who have loved us into being. And, and in the commercial for us to be to be encouraged to think about the, the human beings who have done that for us, but as, as people of faith, to believe that all of the best moments of love that we've ever shared with each other, it's love that we've borrowed from the gift of love that is Jesus Christ. Right, that we're, we're not able to create it, but we are able to recognize it, to be stewards of it. And to find a way in one another's lives to embody that love. I mean, that statement, all of us have special ones who've loved us into being. Isn't that the truth? And, and isn't, isn't that the true invitation of Christmas? Right? To, <laughs> thank you. I know somebody's listening. <laughs> I mean, isn't that when we're, when we just make it the most basic isn't that what Jesus teaches us to do? Isn't that who Jesus teaches us to be? I mean, it all starts with a little baby lying in a manger for you and for me. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that's where it all starts. But it's not over yet. It's not over because there's still time for us to recapture that spiritual memory of accepting the invitation to go back home to that place before we had a chance to mess anything up, to break any relationship, to go back home to that place where you and I get to be who we were always created to be. To be the people Jesus looks at us and sees us and understands that we still can be that man or that woman or that child, if we'll just accept 
if we'll just, if we'll just receive the life that Jesus proves to us is possible. There's time, time for you and I to let the love of God redefine us into the image of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's time, time for us to really and truly come back home. It's an invitation. It's, it's a question. And brothers and sisters, Christmas is always an invitation. It's always a question. And my prayer for us this Christmas is that like Mary and Joseph before us, we will find the courage and the faith and the hope to say yes. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, a couple of our shepherds will be just through these double doors. They'll be there with their wives, ready to receive you, to pray over you. Uh, so if you came this morning with any concern at all, or any thanksgiving in your heart that you want to share with another Christian couple, please go to them as together we stand and sing.